Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Tailgate Podcast. I am your host, Michael Quattromani. Whew. It's a sad day. Sad week. It's the first week where I will not be giving any predictions to any games. But with that, with that out of the way, without you know any of that somberness, right? Let's get let's get hyped. Let's get happy because we're about to talk about the NFL. I'm back. I hope you're all having a fantastic day. I'm recording this at 3 p.m. February 10th. It's sunny outside. Snow is just starting to melt. It's kind of warm out. It's not. It's not like warm, but you know, for New England, it's. It's 30 degrees, 33 degrees, not, never mind, it's not warm out, what am I saying? <laughs> but, um, I'm excited for today. Like always, I'm a broken record, you know, I'm always excited for the podcast. So, without further ado, let's get right into the outline of the day. Let's go. So, to start off, did you guys know, fun fact, uh, did you know that there was a Super Bowl that took place last Sunday? I know, crazy, right? So the Super Bowl happened. Uh, <laughs> I should give my reactions to that. I know it's Wednesday. You guys might be listening to this on a Thursday or a Friday, whatever. Um, might be a little late, but you know what? Everything is still uh, in the NFL offseason. Everything is still, uh, you know, fresh and new because there is no games going on. So. I'm going to give my Super Bowl reactions, including what does it say for Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady's seventh ring, my Super Bowl MVP reactions, why did the Bucs win, uh, and just getting more in-depth about that. Next up, I asked you guys on my um, Instagram, if you're not following my Instagram, make sure to follow my Instagram, because um, I asked you guys, I said to you guys, I said, leave me a message on Anchor, and I will respond to it in a video, so... That's what I'm gonna do. I got, I got a few. I'm only gonna do two of them in this video, and I'll probably just space them out uh, for the next podcast. But in this one, I'm gonna react to two, and then uh, I'm gonna give my post Super Bowl power ranking. So, of course, everybody is doing this thing. ESPN put one out. Um, everyone's gonna end up doing it. So, I'm gonna give my power rankings after the Super Bowl. It is worth noting that these aren't necessarily like. This is just as of right now. This isn't what I expect to happen. Like, I think, you know, so-and-so is going to sign a blank, and that's why I have not enough. This is just off of the rosters right now um, and what I think is going to happen next season. So, to start off, here are my Super Bowl reactions. Did you know that there are only three other Super Bowls over the last quarter century that have had a win margin as big as this game? Only three other games. There was only one other game in the last quarter century where the team projected to win lost by a margin greater than the one this past Sunday. If you're if you're following what I just said there, right there. This was a complete domination from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and there's really no other way to put it. More specifically, though. The domination put on display by the linemen in this game was nearly perfect. Patrick Mahomes was pressured on almost 60% of his dropbacks. 60%. That is absolutely ridiculous. So, of course, if you just look at the box score, Mahomes didn't have a great game. He had like 160, 170 yards, no touchdowns. Um... 
sorry, 270 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions with a 52 rating, 26 of 49. Again, not a great game when you look at the stat sheet. But, of course, when you watch the game, this game was more than just that. This game was a, uh, I, I would say the this game just speaks uh, on the uh, Bucks positive performance rather than Patrick Mahomes' negative performance. And honestly, I don't I don't like drawing comparisons with great quarterbacks uh, in the Super Bowl because again, it's one game. But this Patrick Mahomes just felt what Russell Wilson felt. This is what Russell Wilson has been feeling for the last like two years or so. Patrick uh, Russell Wilson took 52 sacks this year, which is the most in the NFL. Finally, Patrick Mahomes gets to feel what not having a fantastic top five offensive line is like. I mean, look at Seattle. Look at look at Seattle's offense. Of course, Kansas City is the better offense. I'm not gonna debate that because that's a that's a dumb argument. Of course, Kansas City is the better offense. But you know, I would say Seattle has a better wide receiver duo. Wide receiver, you know, core in general. I'd take David Moore, Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf over. Sammy Watkins, Nicole Hardman, and I don't know who else. Sammy Watkins. So, of course, where Patrick Mahomes gets the edge is the tight end, of course. But if you look at historically, Russell Wilson hasn't had fantastic tight ends in the past, and he's still been able to get by. So I don't think that that difference is the difference maker between the two offenses. I think it's just the offensive line. Both offenses are comparable. You can't say they aren't. They are comparable. Of course, like I said earlier, Kansas City's is better. But you'd be lying to yourself if you said they aren't comparable. Uh, T- Kansas City is only averages 0.3 points per game more than Seattle does. Just to put it in perspective. Kansas City is 6th. Seattle is 7th. Look at the defenses. Again, defenses. Very comparable. Uh, let's look from January 4th. Because uh, that's the end of the regular season. Kansas City ranks 11th. Seattle, 15th. So you can even give the edge to Kansas City in that regard. Uh, look, I think Kansas City is a fantastic team, but if you give Russell Wilson an offensive line, I see him in a similar situation as Patrick Mahomes. I really do. I think Russell Wilson would put up similar stats because look at the offense he has. He's a better run game than Kansas City and a better wide receiver core than Kansas City. If you give him a a solid offensive line, you know, I think I think Russell Wilson would be fantastic. But uh, moving on, regarding the Super Bowl MVP, I think that it is just all of the Tom Brady haters just trying to take away whatever they can from his legacy by saying he didn't deserve the MVP. Because he absolutely did. Tom Brady 100% deserved the MVP. 21 of 29 for three touchdowns and a rating of 126. Of course, he didn't throw for a lot of yards because he didn't have to. He put up 21 first-half points. He didn't have to put up any points after that. Kansas City's offense was stagnant. They put up six first-half points in three second-half points. All Tom Brady had to do was hand the ball off to Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones the entire time. That's all he had to do. And that's all he did in the second half, and it worked, and, and Tampa Bay won it. Because the my key, my key to the game was to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, and that's what they did. They gave it to Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. They had to combine 28 carries. They kept it out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. And honestly, that wasn't even the difference maker. 
Patrick Mahomes had the ability to win this game. He did. But the offensive line just couldn't hold up. That's what it came down to. So Tom Brady did deserve the Super Bowl MVP. If you wanna if you wanna say to me, uh, you know, there were other players that could have gotten it. Of course, I would have given it to Devin White, Levante David, even Gronk. Or even, honestly, if they gave it to coaches, I'd give it to Todd Bowles above anybody. Todd Bowles had a perfect game plan. That was a perfect game plan. That, that Like, he, he completely stopped Patrick Mahomes. He didn't fall for what other teams have done and just sent five, six guys and tried to make Patrick Mahomes feel uncomfortable. He's like, no. Our pass rush is fantastic. That's not the problem. We can send four guys every time. That's what they did. And they got to Patrick Mahomes. They weren't blitzing at all. They rarely blitzed. It was just the line of scrimmage battle was just so in the favor of Tampa Bay that Patrick Mahomes couldn't find anybody open downfield because everybody was either doubled or only short routes were open. And when you're up 21-6, to you can't just opt out for... Uh, deep or, or short plays every single time. You got to throw the ball deep and everything was covered. Every single play, they had two safeties back. Tampa Bay basically said, we're going to give you the short game. We're going to give you those Travis Kelsey hitch routes. It's like six-yard hitch routes. We'll, you know, we'll eat those nine-yard gains. But when we're up 21, you're, you can't live off of that. And they couldn't because they just got to Patrick Mahomes. And anytime Kansas City set up for their, you know, for their 40-yard, 50-yard play to Tyree Kill down the field, they couldn't do it. So, that was that was that was honestly the difference maker in this game, that and just the line of scrimmage battle. Um but moving on, that's really all I have. That's really it. Uh, that's all I got about the Super Bowl. Again, it, it was it was it was a very one-sided game, but it was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. Obviously, it probably doesn't rank in my top five Super Bowls of all time when I've been alive uh, and like how I actually watched the game, but it was it was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was just to me, I I guess like Super Bowl fifty three, like Patriots Rams. Again, I know it was thirteen to three, but I enjoyed it because I thought that like ne- like both it was a close game. You know, both teams were neck and neck the entire time. It was just like the last two minutes of the game where the Patriots set themselves apart. I like those close games where they're they're close, they're low scoring, but it's a defensive battle. Those are fun to me. And I also like one-sided games too. When you just see, like, especially between two high-powered teams, when you see a team like the Bucks just completely just shut out, shut out the Chiefs, I mean, that that's fun to me. That's just, I don't know. I enjoy watching it. So I thought it was a fun game, but enough of me me rambling. Um, Here we go. I'm going to answer some of your questions. So the first question we have is from one of my dear friends, Sam. Sam, here is his message. So pretty much Sam asked, Michael, what do you, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl next year? So just for the record, I was trying to get the soundbite into this. I, for some reason, it's not letting me. So hopefully by the next episode, I will be able to get your sound bites when you send them to me into the episode. But for now, going to have to just, you know, read them out loud. Uh, but basically, just to get the gist, Sam wants to know who I think is going to win the Super Bowl next year. And to me, it has to be Tampa Bay. They won the Super Bowl this year with four new pieces and had no training camp, no OTAs, and no preseason. And that's including Tom Brady. The four I'm talking about are Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, Gronk, and Antonio Brown. They were also in a division with the Saints, 
who beat the Buccaneers twice and who they're probably no longer going to be as good because they have $100 million in debt and they have Drew Brees who is retiring. With a full offseason and the amount of talent that this team has, in addition to having the seventh most cap space and a willing number one receiver to take a salary reduction in order to keep things together, I don't see how they can't repeat. This is why the addition of Tom Brady won them the Super Bowl. It wasn't because he threw 40 touchdowns or he threw for a ton of yards. It's because he was efficient with the ball and he threw for a and he threw uh, excuse me, and he changed the culture of the team. This team wants to win now, and I don't see anyone getting close to them as of right now, and that's why I have them repeating next year. So, Sam, I hope I sufficiently answered your question because that's uh, just, you know, how I feel about it. Um, I just don't see how anybody can beat this team. I really don't. I just watching how this team down the stretch just just dominated they they on every sense of the word completely dominated it just since detroit what did they win versus detroit was it 47 to 7 i want to say towards the end of the year 47 to 7 so first you start with vikings 26 14 then the falcons 31 27 they came back down 20 then they beat the lions 47 to 7 then the week after that 44 to 27 versus the falcons right then they go to the playoffs convincing win Washington, 31-23, right? Then you get the Saints. They go into New Orleans, the team that had had their number the entire regular season, beat them twice and convincingly twice. 30-20, to beat them, not a problem, on the road. Then, NFC Championship. They faced the team who had just had a bye week the week before in Green Bay. They beat them, 31-26, pretty convincingly. I mean, Tampa Bay was up by like... 21 to 10 and a half. I mean, like, and the Super Bowl. I mean, the biggest game, the biggest stage. 31 to 9. Like, it wasn't even a contest. I don't see how Tampa Bay loses next year unless some drastic things happen to either the Bills or the Chiefs. That's what I think. And again, the second we got, we got us, we got a, we got another, uh, another message from another listener. We got Olin, another dear friend of mine. Olin says, or Olin's questioning, just, just want, wants my thoughts on the quarterback situation in San Francisco. So, is it going to be Jimmy Garoppolo? Who's it going to be? What are they going to do? And what are their choices? So, basically, here, here's what I think. I don't think the 49ers have much of a choice. Jimmy G is owed $137 million. The 49ers also have 40 free agents, 40 guys who have expiring contracts. So they need money to sign those guys back. And just for the record, San Francisco isn't sitting on like the riches of Scotland, right? They've got $13 million, which is. I think just outside the top 12. Four, 14. Okay? 14th in the NFL. So, there are three things they cannot afford to do, which they would be required to do if they were to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. A, take a massive cap hit from Garoppolo's contract. $137 million over five years. That's going to be like a $20, 25000000 million contract, con, cap hit, and they can't do that. 
B. Lose money to sign back important pieces that greatly contributed to the success of this team. If you if you let Jimmy Garoppolo walk or you trade him for let's just let's just say uh, Cam Newton. Let's say the the 49ers are enamored with what Cam Newton did in a Pages uniform last year, and they want him. Okay, so they signed Cam for like a ten million dollar contract, right? And they trade away Jimmy Garoppolo for like a third round pick. Well, that cap hit and the money you're spending on Cam Newton, you can't, you can't spend that money on any of your expiring free agents that have been crucial in the just buildup of your NFL team, of your team. Which brings me to my third point. If you bring on another big contract, like a Deshaun Watson-esque contract at the quarterback position... You, you pretty much just sum up my A point and B point. You take a massive hit by Garoppolo's contract, you trade him away. In B, if you sign back another big quarterback's contract, you can't sign back other guys because of the cap hit and the other guy's contract. So they all come full circle. They all, you know, relate to one another. So I think you're, you're locked in. You, you can't deal him away. You can't. This is why Jimmy Garoppolo reminds me of Carson Wentz. And, and if he doesn't, then I'm going to tell you why he does. Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's look at his 2019 season. 13-3, almost a 70% completion percentage, almost 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, with a rating of 102. Looked crazy good. Was I, I wouldn't say he was a snub for the Pro Bowl, but he was very close to making the Pro Bowl. Right, great, great quarterback. Then, he gets hurt, and he takes a step back when he comes back. And again, just to give the timeline, quarterback has a big year, gets a big contract deal, gets injured, doesn't come back the same. Well, let's look at Carson Wentz. Has an MVP-esque season. Almost went to the Super Bowl, Nick Foles won it for him. Carson Wentz then gets a big contract, gets hurt, isn't the same when he comes back. Of course, Carson Wentz is more of a drastic comparison because he was nowhere near what he was like uh, when he was healthy. But, you know, it's worth noting how the, the two kind of go hand in hand with each other. Just, here's the difference though. San Francisco can compete. San Francisco can legitimately, and I mean this in every sense of the word, they can win a Super Bowl. When you look at their team, they are 100% capable of doing that. Kyle Shanahan, probably a top five coach in the NFL. And that offense is, is great. That running back core is so deep. They have five legitimate good running backs. Tevin Coleman, Jamichael Hasty, Jarek McKinnon, Raheem Moser, Jeff Wilson. Right, you get Debo Samuel back fully healthy. Brandon Ayuk with another year under his belt, fully healthy. George Kittle back fully healthy. Nick Bo or Joey Bosa, healthy. Like, or is it Nick Bosa? W one of them. You got one of them back out there. I, keep, I forget who it is. Right, like Nick Bosa. You get all of these guys back healthy. 
I, I think I think it'd be very tough to count this team out. I understand they're in a tough division, but San Francisco, San Francisco is for real. Eagles, I mean, they're as far from ever. Four eleven and one last year. Clearly, no shot of competing for a Super Bowl in years to come. Maybe competing in their division because because their division is awful. And I don't even see them doing that because Cowboys are going to Prescott back, offensive line back, and Washington's a quarterback away from being a legitimate contender. So, I think they're the third. I would put the Giants. I'd put the Giants over them. So I think they're the worst team in the worst division. Philly's probably a bottom five team in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, I, I I think you if like if you're telling me that you can bring in for the for the 49ers, if you're telling me you can bring in a guy like Mitch Trubisky for under fifteen million dollars to be a backup and potentially earn a starter role, maybe. But then again. Maybe even consider that, but that's money that you can't give to someone who can make a legit impact on your team as a starter. So at this point of the podcast, I'm going to hop in to my post-Super Bowl rankings. Here, here, I think these are the top 10 teams in the NFL, plain and simple, with the current rosters and how I think they're going to do next season with the current rosters. I'm going to start, let's see, what would be the more dramatic way to go? Let's start number one. Let's do number one first. Number one, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think the Buccaneers are the best team in the NFL, and I think they will open up this. They're number one in my power rankings. I personally don't see how you can have anyone else at the number one spot with the exception of maybe the Chiefs. The Bucs just won the Super Bowl, and they're only going to get better over the offseason. I don't see them not being the number one. To me, that's never made much sense, putting a team that didn't win the Super Bowl at the number one spot. I think Tampa Bay is just the better team. And until I actually see Tom Brady start to, to start to decline, I'm not going to predict when he will. Because for the record, I'm going to own up to my mistake. I said Tom Brady should retire after the Rams Super Bowl. I said after that he should have retired because he's not going to go back. And boy, was I wrong. So I, I've learned from that mistake. And I'm never going to say, oh, Tom Brady won't be the same next year. Or, oh, Tom Brady isn't going to be as good. Because I'm not going to say a damn word until I actually visually see Tom Brady start to play poorly. So I have the Bucs at number one. It's tough not to put them at number one. Number two, though, I've got the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, same thing with the Bucks. You can't not put them in at least the top two. This team will rebound next year. Don't 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 worry about that. And they just gotta bolster the offensive line in the secondary. Honestly, that's it. Obviously, the secondary towards the end of the year was a little bit flawed, and that the those holes were starting to become more and more apparent as the season grew or season went on. Excuse me. So, you you can't have Patrick Mahomes get pressured sixty percent. Like that just can't happen. So. Again, they had a few opt-outs on the offensive line. Eric Fisher went down with an Achilles tear. So once they get their left and right tackle back along with their Pro Bowl guard, they'll be fine. No need to worry about that. Uh, but that's what I think. Um, number three, though, I got the Buffalo Bills. This team is very close. I think the Bills are very close to competing. I think that they just need to grow. I mean, look, it's a very young team led by, by a very young quarterback. If he can just build off of the year he just had, then the AFC should be scared because the Bills, if they sign everyone back, Bills 
have a legitimate, legitimate chance to challenge the Chiefs as the best team in the AFC. But they, the, but, but Josh Allen's got to build off of what he did this year. They're not going to be the best team in the AFC if he just does what he did this year. He's got to do more than just that. Uh, so number four, though, I've got Green Bay. They're turning, in my opinion, I think Green Bay is turning into the New Orleans Saints. It feels that over the past five years, they have been a phenomenal regular season team, and everyone's picking them to go go to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, and then they just come up short. So, of course, not to the extent or the embarrassment that it happens to the Saints, but they still do come up short. As long as Rodgers is back, though, and they have somewhat of a formidable defense, they will be fine, and that's why they have them at number four in my power rankings. Number five, though, I've got the Seattle Seahawks. Get Russell Wilson an offensive line, please. And I, I will put them higher up on my power rankings than the Packers and the Bills. I will, honestly. Get them some proven offensive linemen, and I will do it. But they don't have an offensive line. So you can't put them any higher than the five spot, in my opinion. An arguable top three quarterback in the NFL should not be taking 52 sacks in a season. That just should not be happening. Number six, Baltimore. Do not overreact about this team. It seems all year they're trying to find their identity, and I think they finally did towards the end of the season. With almost $20 million in cap space, if they sign any of their of the four big wide receiver names, Lamar will show everybody why he was an MVP last season. I, I, think, I think this team is very close, and I, it was very naive to expect this team to top what they did in 2018, I feel like that they had to do better. Um, so I, I, I feel like they, they couldn't exactly do what they did last year. So I, I think I think Baltimore will rebound, though. They got a lot of cap space. I think they'll do better. Number seven, though, I got the LA Rams. This may be low to some people, but I'm not just going to overreact because of the Matt Stafford trade. Look, Matt Stafford is, is an upgrade over Jared Goff. But it's not an upgrade to the point where their team should be in the top five of the NFL. Like, Matt Stafford's been great. The guy hasn't thrown for over 32 touchdowns since 2011. He hasn't won a playoff game. I just, it's really tough for me to put him there, especially without him taking a single snap in uh, L.A., though. Again, you know, go, go out and prove me wrong. I just, I just don't see it so far. Number eight, though, San Francisco 49ers. I talked about them earlier, but this team hobbled their way to the finish line. If they are healthy next year, even though they are in a crowded division, uh, I do see them as a legit contender in the playoffs. Number nine, though, I've got the Colts. I think they are another team that is very close. In my opinion, I think they're just a worse version of the Buffalo Bills from an age perspective, not just from a play style, because, of course, their play, play styles are very different. Buffalo, more of a pass-heavy team, and Indianapolis, more of a run-heavy team. But the Bills just needed a quarterback and a receiver to compete. I They got they got Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. If the Colts can land a top-12 quarterback, well, that's... I, don't even, I wouldn't consider... Carson wants a top 12 quarterback, but I think he has the potential to be if he can just, you know, return back to what he was like a few years ago. And if they get a top 10 receiver, really just any of the guys in free agency, they may dominate next year in the regular season. I think that division is wide open. I don't think Tennessee is going to do what they did last year. Uh, I I think that they have some salary cap issues. Derrick Henry is kind of getting up there in age. So is Ryan Tannehill. Um, And there are some really, really big holes in that defense. So, that's why I think the the, 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 the the division is wide open. 
Texans, of course, have a legitimate shot to go 0-16 if they deal Deshaun Watson. Uh, so I think the Colts, they've got a shot to uh, go 11-4, 12-5. Or sorry, 11-5, 12-4. But number 10, my 10th best team in the NFL, I got the Miami Dolphins. Don't sleep on Miami. And more importantly, don't sleep on Tua. Tua had a better year than people give him credit for. People are already, after, what was it, nine games, people are already ready to move off of Tua. I personally don't understand it. I think he did fine. I mean, he went 6-3 and three as a starter, uh, 1,800 yards, 11 touchdowns and 5 interceptions. Really isn't that bad. And when you think about it, his offense was not healthy. Like, whatsoever, his offense. Uh, there were multiple occasions where Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki, or Miles Gaskin were all missing time. And honestly, none of those guys are top 10 in their position. Maybe Mike Gesicki towards the end of the top 10, but... Tua doesn't have a whole lot of talent to deal with. If they get, if they get, uh, like either Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle with the third pick of the draft, and they sign a guy in free agency, Tua is going to have some actual people to throw the ball to, and that's what separates him from Justin Herbert. I'm not trying to disrespect Justin Herbert because, of course, he has a better quarterback than Tua. But look at the weapons that Herbert was able to throw the ball to. He's got Hunter Henry, Keenan Allen, who's top five, maybe top six, Mike Williams even. Uh, and then for a small amount of time, he had Eckler out of the backfield, who we all know is lethal in the pass game. So, I, look, <laughs> this may be a hot take, but this, the, the Miami defense is absolutely legit. And if their offense gets healthier the next year, they may be a dark horse Super Bowl pick. It's a hot take for sure. But don't sleep on this Miami team. They are an offense away from being a legit contender. Brian Flores is a phenomenal coach. Their defense is amazing. It's a tough division. But if the Patriots can't do anything in free agency and the Jets just keep on being the Jets, their only legitimate competition are the Chiefs, Baltimore, and uh, the Bills. So that's all I really have. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all I got for today. That's it. That is everything. I hope you enjoyed listening to this edition of the Tailgate Podcast. Just to round out for the day, I gave my Super Bowl reactions, answered some of your questions. Again, make sure to drop me some more questions. All the links are in my bio, to my TikTok bio, my Instagram bio. Go follow both of those. Go follow my Twitter. And then I gave my post-Super Bowl rankings. Again, 1 through 10, Bucks, Chiefs, Bills, Green Bay, Seattle, Baltimore, LA Rams, San Francisco, Indianapolis, and Miami rounding out the top 10. So that is my list. Thank you all so much for listening. Go check out all the other socials. Go check out the Red Zone Room podcast and the 411 podcast. Going to be releasing an episode on those two. Um, Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening.